All right, you ready? What's up, guys and gals? On this podcast, we will seek to examine the stories, history, technology, and the ideas that define mankind. We hope that you will join us as we quest for what makes us human. This is episode 10. What is up, JR? How's it going? Oh, going pretty good, man. I'm in swimming trunks. They're still a little damp, but I'm here. <laughs> I, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. This is, uh, this is a subject where I will be mostly learning right along with our audience as you uh, talk to us about. The body on Somerton Beach. All right. Let's Boom. Hear, let's hear all about it. All right. So this is one that I have been super excited about for years and years. When I discovered the podcast world, I think this was probably the third or fourth podcast that I listened to. It's interesting when you have a, a whole continent, in this case Australia, uh, who has had a 70 year long mystery that you've never heard about. Yeah. You know? Had you ever heard about the body on Summerton Beach? I had not. When you came to me with this, I was, I was not at all familiar. Okay. All right. So yeah, this is a good one, and it's just something cool about discovering uh, a mystery. Wondering, well, maybe I can throw my own sleuth into this and see uh, what I can do. You know. We all want to be a little Sherlock Holmes. That's right. That's right. Um, and this is trending right now. This is big right now. Uh, we'll get into that, but the body has been exhumed back up out of the ground, and uh, they are looking into who maybe they can see who this fellow is okay uh this episode i usually end with what makes us human like what about this makes us human you know and so with this one i kind of want to start with that all right uh so the other day i guess it's what might have been two weeks ago now i had the day off of work i work a strange schedule and uh so anyway i had the, the day off and I was weed eating my grass, string trimming my grass. All right. And off in my peripheral vision goes running a little dog. And I looked at him and I instantly realized I could see down the street both ways. There's nobody with him. He had a radio collar with no tag. Okay. I run over to him. I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my day trying to find this dog's owner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I scoop him up. And I verify, yep, there's no tag on him, but he, he is somebody's dog. He's wearing like one of those, one of those collars for like the wireless fence. Yeah, the radio fence. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's wet all over his belly. From we have a creek down behind the house, but okay. he's well fed. So you know he ain't hungry. Sure. So he's somebody's dog. So right then and there, I had found a thing, a being, a dog. I knew what I had, but I didn't know his name. You see where I'm going here? Yeah. I, I didn't know his name. I didn't know whose or who really he was, you know? Um, and I thought, you know, that kind of applies to this. There's a body. Okay. But we don't know who he is. Sure. We may know whose he is as far as familial, the family, uh, by the end of this. Uh, and they're really trying to verify that, having the body exhumed and using the, what is it, 23andMe, the new DNA technology kind of thing. Yeah, or Ancestry.com has one. There's yeah. several of them out there, yeah. So, uh, that's how they identified the uh, Golden State Killer. That's right, uh, Paul Holes, and what's his year name? Year and a half ago or something. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Yes, there's some great podcasts on that, Jack. Let me tell you. Um, so, but we won't get into that. But anyway, um, also this week, I went to one of my favorite chicken joints that we have here okay. in North Carolina, and uh, I made my order, and I ordered a salad for once in my life, trying to be healthy. Uh, and as I was waiting in line, this place is famous for an awesome drive-through. Okay. Yeah, so Southerners probably know what I'm talking about. And uh, one of the kids came forward and said, uh, Sir, we're out of this particular dressing you ordered. Would you like a different dress? And I said, Well, yeah, what you got? He told me. And I said, I'll do that. And then he came, he took two steps and he came back to me and he said, Can I ask you something? And I said, Well, yeah, sure. And he says, You look awful familiar. Are you, do you know a guy named Blankety Blank? And I, I said, I don't think I've ever heard of Blankety Blank. Of course, I'm not going to say the guy's name on the podcast. Um, and he said, well, I, you know, where do you go to church? Or just, you know, where do you, whatever, where do you work? And we couldn't quite pin it down. So, sure. Yeah. And then at the, when I got to the window, it was a little awkward. And I'm like, well, see you later. Maybe we'll figure this out. You know, and he looked familiar to me. And I thought about this episode. You know, we had found each other, but we weren't too sure. I told him my name. You know, he told me his name, but we still couldn't quite place. There was a loss there. Sure. You know? And I get home, and I tell my son, Ty, I said, you ever heard of a blankety-blank? And he goes, oh, yeah. So let's look him up on Facebook. So we look blankety-blank. <laughs> this is You're going to put on there, and this is the one where John says blankety-blank a lot. Um, but we look up blankety-blank on Facebook, and Ty says, Dad, are you serious? You don't know who this guy is? And I said, I, I don't. I recognize him. And, I, and he says, you remember when you and Jared were in a Christmas carol with the community theater a couple years ago. And I said, yes. And he says, he was the young Scrooge on the stairwell at City Hall. Yep. And I'm like, ah! And so I figured out who he was. Yeah. yeah. And there instantly, bam! You know, but here in this case, 70 years have gone by. Now that afternoon, the two weeks ago or whatever, that afternoon, I went to the neighborhood behind my house and discovered the little dog's name was Chris Ledoux has a song called this. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. That's right. Okay. Copenhagen. I can't believe makes me feel so good. Actually named their dog Copenhagen. Boom 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 Copenhagen. Right. My the way wife, I know it should. My wife absolutely hates that song. So, <laughs> I, so I play it just to get a reaction just out of it. Just to get a reaction out of it. but Copenhagen got back home. Alright. Alright, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the Somerton man back home. All right, so here we go. Tuesday, November 30th, 1948. Okay. All right, for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, you'll know that as the last day of spring, which is really weird to me here in the Northern Hemisphere. But on Tuesday, November 30th, 1948, it's the last day of spring, um, a jeweler, jeweler, Jewel, jeweler. A jeweler, someone yeah. who deals in jewels. Yeah, but now I'm questioning store. my pronunciation of it. A jeweler. There yes. you go. A jeweler named John Lyons was walking with his wife um, on Somerton Beach near Adelaide, Australia. Okay. One of those nighttime walks. You know, you've had supper. You're holding hands. Yeah, you know, sun setting. It's beautiful outside, and they see a man lying in a really nice suit 
Now, I later found out that the, uh, I don't think this was an exact suit because the pants and coat were a different color, but anyway. Okay. In a nice suit, laying against the seawall on the beach with his legs crossed, um, not crisscross applesauce like the kids do, but just his feet crossed. Uh, and he took one arm and acted like he was trying to wave, and then it just slumped like it was heavy back down. And uh, later, John Lyons quipped that they just joked that, well, evidently this fellow's had a bunch to drink. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so he raised his hand to motion to him and then put it back down. He's smoking a cigarette. And they move on. Okay, so this 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 guy is smoking a cigarette, laying against the seawall of the beach, okay. and he looks like something's not quite right. Sure. Okay. One thing that he's missing that most men at this time, and I cannot wait until this comes back into vogue, um, is he's missing his fedora. Most men in 1948 would have a hat on sure. outside, and no hat. Okay. Okay. I cannot wait till I'm old enough to wear a fedora and not be a character. You know what I'm saying? I, I have several dress hats. I, I like to wear them on occasion. But you're right. It certainly is a. It's not uh, not common in our day and age. Nope. <laughs> so I don't wear mine that often. So later, a young man and woman walk by, and they notice the same man, but this time his face is covered in mosquitoes. Oh. And uh, the young man later told investigators that he joked with his girlfriend. Basically the same thing. Wow, this guy's passed out. He's had too much to drink. Yeah. You know, and he they could see that he was breathing. Okay. All right, he's just sitting there with mosquitoes crawling on his face. The next day is now the first day of summer, 6 a.m. Two jockeys, Neil Day and another jockey whose name I did not get, the, evidently Summerton Beach was a nice area to ride horses. Okay. Uh, but Neil Day was a jockey with another jockey, and they were finishing up their morning ride the next day at 6 a.m., and they see this man sitting in the exact same position. And not far behind them, finishing his morning stroll, is jeweler John Lyons. Okay. And all of a sudden, he's concerned because the guy's in the exact same spot, and his body, his legs, his arms, his head are in the exact same position. Sure. And he's been there for more than 12 hours at this point. Okay. They walk up to him, and it doesn't take long to figure out they're dealing with a dead body. So they call authorities. The police show up, and they begin to make some notations. Now, it is 1948. Okay. It's not 2010. So I'm not trying to slight the cops, but I don't think investigations were quite as concise or precise as they are now. Sure. Uh, but they do note that he's got a half-smoked cig cigarette on his lapel with no burn marks anywhere. So it's like it went out in his mouth and then dropped maybe down to the lapel. Okay. Um, they note that there's no hat. They also note that there's not one speck. Now, I'm not saying there's not much. There's not one speck of sand on his shoes. And they're dress shoes that you can see your reflection in. They're so shiny. Okay. It's like he's from the military almost. They just perfectly shine set of dress shoes. And it doesn't even look like he walked out on the beach because there's not a speck of sand on him. Sure. So not like um, uh, you, you referenced earlier that it, was probably, it looked like more of a sport coat or something since the, the jacket and pants didn't match. But right. if, if they did, you'd think almost of like tuxedo shoes. Yeah, right. There you go. Exactly. Awesome. Also, he's got a red and white striped tie. 
but close examination. Now, there's probably going to be some listeners that say, why are we getting into such detail? Well, it's because it comes back later. Okay. Upon close examination, they notice that the tie is not an Australian tie. And I, now that I'm here doing this, I can't remember which one's which. But an American tie, I believe the stripe goes from right to left, going down. And an Australian tie... It would, yeah. Uh, it goes the other way. And he's obviously... Somebody notices from the police or what have you that he's wearing an American tie. That is, that's a very interesting detail. Yeah, that's okay. good. I did my homework on this one, Jack. All right. So, uh, so yeah, so red and white striped tie. Um, there's plenty else here. Hardly any... Oh, he had uh, no calluses anywhere on either hand, so he seemed to be a white-collar worker. Okay. He's very well-built. You know those guys where um, they scratch an itch and they're wearing a sport coat and you can see their bicep through their sport coat? Yeah. They're like a big built dude? Yeah. Like Gary. You remember, you know, Gary? Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of like Gary. Um, and also, he had salt and pepper hair at his temples. So he's getting a little bit of just for summer to man gray going there. Okay. All right. His clothes, they, so, okay, they get him to the police station. They start really looking into this thing. Or I guess they get him to the morgue. Okay. Or coroner's office. Um, his clothes tags had all been cut off. So no tags showing like maybe JC Penny or Belk. I don't know what in Australia. But sure. Yeah, so no tags on his clothes. From the sound of it, maybe maybe something more like Brooks Brothers, but you know, whatever the Australian equivalent. Right, yeah. And back then you would write your name. It seems in interviews that I've listened to and whatnot, that the further back in time you go, the more people were apt to write their First initial and their last name on the inside of each article of clothing. Okay. Uh, and could, he had not done that. I could definitely see that on a jacket because, you know, if you go into a nice restaurant and you check your jacket, uh, it's a good way to ensure you check your jacket and your hat. It's a good uh, way to ensure that, you know, when it comes back to you, you have the right article. You have yours. Yeah. So. See, I don't do that much. Bojangles doesn't require you to <laughs> check your jacket at Bojangles. Um. His clothes were dry. That's very important. It's not like he washed up yeah. and then crawled through the sand because he was dry and no sand on him. Um, what else? No hat. We've been over that like 10 times by now. There were places on his pants that had been mended to fixed or stitched back together with a waxy orange thread. Okay. That Right. That's my, that was my response. when I, People kept saying waxy thread. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a seamstress or seamster. But this thread, like the tie, is only available in the States. States. Okay. Side. Okay. Which what, comes later. I, I, I don't know about it in the 1940s, but waxy thread makes me think more of like medical stitches uh, than than clothing and fabric. Okay, that's interesting. Um, orange is certainly interesting too, but... And it's stitched on the inside. So you can't see the right, thread. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Um, he had a pack of Army Club cigarettes. I've never heard of Army Club, but there's a brand called, which is a cheaper brand, mm-hmm. called Army Club Cigs. But half the cigarettes, it's not half, but a number of cigarettes in there while they were Army Club... A number were not. A number of the cigarettes were Kensitas. And Kensitas, and we'll have pictures. I'm going to give Jared a ton of pictures tonight, folks. And uh, we can put those on social media so that you can see this stuff. But a number of them were Kensitas, and they're a higher dollar brand of cig. 
Okay. It seems like you would do the reverse, that you would buy a pack of Kensitas and then fill it with cheap cigs if you're trying to look ritzy. Yeah, I suppose. So that's just weird. Um, there was no ID on him, obviously. I had to say that, though, because we're still trying to figure out who he is. No cash, no wallet. Okay. And no checks and no Visa card because it didn't exist. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. All right. He had a used bus ticket to Summerton Beach, so he took the Greyhound, sort of, uh, to Summerton Beach, so a used bus ticket. He had an unused second-class ticket to Henley Beach, which is mm, five minutes away. Okay. So he's planning on going to Henley Beach, but he didn't make it because he passed away. He had two... I have never heard of this in my life. I've always seen plastic. But two aluminum combs in his yeah. pocket. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aluminum? Would have been more common in the 40s. Okay, all right. And, of course, the lady I was listening to is from there, and she said aluminum. But uh, two combs. He had some matches that were Bryant and May matches. Okay. Yeah, homework, baby. Bryant and May matches. He had a... Now, this is good stuff, and once again, it's only available stateside. I think it's good. Juicy fruit chewing gum. He had a pack of juicy fruit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so... Shout out to Juicy Fruit. Um, that's that is a type of gum I've not had in a very 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 long time. long time. Yeah, he had a knife in a homemade sheath. Okay. Weird. Scissors, I guess, to trim the waxy thread, and stenciling materials that are more for cargo. Stenciling. That's everybody said he had stenciling materials, but they weren't like for your baby's. Uh, room where you decorate the wall they were more for cargo like in a cargo sure, hole. sure painting painting letters on cargo boxes and he had a little bit of shoe polish okay hence the nice shoes all right so yeah seemed to be a boy scout he had a bunch on him um it's interesting i mean he certainly goes to the idea of yeah certainly goes to the idea of him maybe traveling for work between you know the american items and the uh, items like uh items to repair his clothing and uh, the other the other things that you mentioned, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know. Maybe works for a shipping company, something of that nature. Well, all right. So that kind of segues us into... <clears throat> that kind of segues us into what people at the time, many of them were led to think immediately. So we're in post-World War II. Evidently... Uh, there was a pretty good line of thought that this fellow was a spy. And there were many possibilities. He could have been a British spy. He could have, and we'll get into why here momentarily. Uh, He could have been an American spy. He could have been a Russian spy that had been, quote, sleeping in, in America until time to activate. So there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of theory there as to sure. whether this guy was a spy. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, in 48. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Cold, Cold War. Yeah, right, yeah. And we'll get into that. It gets pretty weird. So he ends up at the police... Well, I don't guess he ends I keep trying to put him at the police station, but he ends up in the proper hands. The morgue, probably, yeah, right. or at least would be today. Yeah. And a Dr. John Barkley Bennett comes to the conclusion after examining the body that he died no earlier than 2 a.m. in between November 30th and December 1st. Um, The coroner 
found that this man had an enlarged spleen. And in one place I read that it was almost three times its normal size. Okay. So something went wrong there. Sure. His liver was humongous. It was enlarged. Okay. And his stomach was, I'm going to try to say this, distented and filled with blood. Okay. I don't know if distented and filled with blood are the same thing. No, I, you know. I, What's distented? Distented, uh, if you can see, if it's if it's distended enough, you kind of see it from the outside. It's kind of uh, almost like swollen or like. Like a hernia? Like, um, like, like larger than normal, pushing out. Huh. Um, okay. And yet he still looked fit. Okay. Okay, yeah, so that's weird. Um, he had a I mean, half... it could have been not that distended. You oh, know, yeah, toward right. the point they didn't notice it until they cut him open. Gotcha. Kind of thing. All right. He had a half digested, and I always thought this was pasty, but pasty. He had a half digested pasty in his stomach. That's a meat pie. Yeah. Um, Never heard of it that, is really. definitely the second pronunciation. The first pronunciation is a totally different, unrelated thing. Ooh. Okay. It's not going to get us an E, is it? Um, let's, let's move on. So he had a half-digested pasty. I, I I didn't know. I guess are those a thing in Australia? I think of um. I we have the company I work for has locations in Michigan, and uh, um, it's a thing there with a certain uh, I forget which immigrant population brought it to Michigan. I guess it's a thing in Australia. The like, pasty. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned as being something unusual. Nope. Okay. So meat pie. Okay. Must be a thing in Australia as well. I associate it with, with Michigan. All right. His heart was in good shape. So since you said move on, I'm going to move on. His heart was in good shape, and he was very muscular. His upper calves, now this is really important. His upper calves were very high and well-defined, like almost too well-defined. Like they were humongous. Okay. It kind of goes to being fit, I suppose. Yeah, or a... A runner or a survey says hmm. ballet dancer. Interesting. Okay. People that looked in that were in the room evidently said, I wonder if this guy, because I, I don't know ballet, but they evidently went straight to, I wonder if this guy's a ballet dancer because when they pulled his shoes off, it looked like he had spent, okay, here we go. It looked like he had spent his entire life in shoes that were too small and high heeled. Huh, okay. And I'll, I will put the pics on social media, but, but his toes are just crammed together. And when you take the shoe off, they don't expand out like, woo, we feel, you know, the little piggies have some room. They're They've stuck. kind of formed that way. Yeah. yeah, all five little piggies are in a one-bedroom apartment. They're, okay. they're crammed in there. So, all right. Oh, and also his pupils were tiny. Okay. A lot going on here. So at some that's, point, that's interesting because normally when someone dies, okay. the pupils become fixed and dilated, so enlarged. Right. Okay. All right. So okay. if they're small, I mean, there's some some narcotics and different things that can make them can, can do that. But yeah, um, I, I I would I would have still thought uh, that uh, they would have still dilated at the point of death. So the fact that there's still fixed at this point after his death seems unusual to me but my knowledge on the subject is limited okay if you're squeamish turn it down for 10 seconds it's not that terrible but i'm just trying to be respectful um all right so question 
Is it true or not that you poop your pants when you die? The long pause is JR laughing because he had a job one time where he dealt with the dead. It, it, it seems to be seems to be true. Okay. Do you vomit right before you die? No. Not, oh, I've okay. not dealt with... Okay. I mean, I, I worked for the medical examiner, so I dealt with people who died in pretty terrible ways, right. but... Um, did they have time to I, go to I number two? I don't know of any indication. It's it's not really... It's just kind of the bowels letting loose. After you die. As opposed to, yeah, as okay. opposed to like something the person, even at, at the moment before they die, would know is happening. Okay, so they probably left that out back in 48 out of respect. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, or again, just... It it being common enough, it wasn't unusual, so it wasn't worth mentioning sort of thing. 10-4. Okay. And that was a little longer than 10 seconds, but we're back. Um, <laughs> from the morgue's bathroom. So they were a little concerned about, they being the, the medical folks looking into him, they were a little concerned about poisoning. There was some spittle. The reason I asked about vomiting after or right before the point of death or after the point of death is because uh, he had some spittle, some noticeable spittle, or some kind of fluid that had left the mouth and was on his chin area. Okay. So there was some concern about poisoning. So a Cedric or Cedric, I'm going with Cedric, Stanton Hicks. Cedric Stanton Hicks was brought in to look into possible poisoning. I can go into who he was, but I don't think it's quite that important. Sure. Uh, 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 the the pupils made me think that the other thing okay. was was your references to his organs. Okay. Some of his organs being enlarged and things nice. made, me, made me wonder about um, poisonous substances that may have caused that. Yes. Okay. The, see, while I was saying it, I'm waiting to get to this and wondering what you're going to say. Okay. He concluded, Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks concludes, that if he had been poisoned, it would only be one of two poisons. But he was afraid at the inquest or a thing with the media to say them out loud. So he wrote them down and handed them to the coroner, who I think mistakenly just read them out. <laughs> okay. But evidently they were something called digitalis. Yeah. All right. And strophantin. Okay. Okay. You ever heard of those? I, I have definitely heard of digitalis. Um, I think the other one sounds vaguely familiar. But uh, it's not not something that I, I like. I know digitalis is 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 a lot of times used in, in heart medicine. Oh, okay. It, it, it can affect the contractions of the heart. All right. Well, his heart was fine. So. So that's weird. And it, there ends up being zero evidence. Not not a little evidence. Not some sketchy evidence. There ends up being a goose egg. Total zero evidence of poisoning later. So. Okay. I felt if we're gonna do the body on Summerton Beach, I gotta mention digitalis and strophan. Okay, and this is probably me taking a very modernist, we know more than people decades ago did, um, which isn't always true, but it makes me wonder what poisons existed at that point that maybe wouldn't have showed, wouldn't have turned uh, up evidence Yeah. Um, that maybe we might be more familiar with now, but that's... Did they have ricin? Yeah. They did? Yeah. Okay. Would ricin have shown up on him? Would that be evident? I have no idea what sort of like talk screen they would be running in 1948. So I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. All right. 
You ever seen Breaking Bad? Uh, I have not. Okay, we're going to get into that here in just a second. Okay. Or a little bit. Okay, there's still more that needs to be said about his body. He had a rare dental condition called hypodontia. Uh, hypodontia, evidently, is where you're missing some teeth. He was missing quite a few teeth, but he was born with this condition. So his lateral incisors, not the two in the front, but the ones, I need to take my fingers out of my mouth so you can hear me, but the ones on each side of the two in the front on okay. the top were missing, okay. like they never showed up. Sure. God never gave them to him. And his incisors, his or his canines, his canine teeth were right next to his front teeth. Sure, they kind of shifted because there, there wasn't teeth there. Right, yeah. And uh, this is called hypodontia, and he's missing other teeth as well. Um, and it is a genetic thing that at the most 2% of the population has. Okay. All right, this comes back later. Sure. I mean, if you're looking for family relations or something yep. like that. Okay. Yep. Um, also, and I cannot remember what these are called, and it's really hard to explain, but you have a hole in your ear that you can stick your finger in. Okay. Okay. All right. Your and ear canal. Your okay. Ear, <laughs> you have an ear canal. Thank you. You have an ear canal. And you also have this thing right above it where the curl is okay. in your ear. That's kind of a hole with a name, and I cannot remember what that's called. Um, but it's he been had a, a long time since A&P class, okay. so I don't, I'm not sure. Well, he had a condition where the sizes of these holes is reversed. and the So the bottom one's supposed to be bigger than the top. Yeah. But And I'm sure people are like, what the heck? But, but this comes back later, and I can't remember what it's called. I didn't write it down, but I wrote a lot down. But those the, the top hole of his ear, just the indentation there, is actually lo much larger than his ear canal. Okay. Right. Again, not doesn't seem to be very common. Very uncommon. Okay. I guess that's a weird way to say it. But not many people have that. So he's got hypodontia, and then he's got this weird ear hole thing going. Okay. And he's got wedge-shaped feet that don't relax when you take his shoes off. Okay. Yeah. Hey, John, we're uh, we're uh, getting kind of long here. You think this should be a two-part episode? I think that would be great. There's yeah. a lot more to cover. All right. So we will pick up again next week with uh, part two on the body of Summerton Beach. We uh, thank you folks for listening. You can reach out to us on social media at WMUH Podcast. Or you can email us, wmuhpodcast at gmail.com. We always like to hear from our listeners. And whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, we'd love it if you would leave us a review and share this episode with one person that you think might enjoy it. Anything else, John? Uh, I don't think so. Part two is going to be really good. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. See you.